the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and we'll continue the visit with Elizabeth Urbanowitz of Foundation Worldview as we discuss modesty from a biblical worldview. Hope you can stay with me and share your thoughts or comments anytime at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Bat at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. When it comes to education for your student, Northwest Christian School believes that trusted truth transforms. With that in mind, they developed their fully online Christian school, NCS Online, for your kindergarten through ninth grade student. NCS Online curriculum has been developed in-house by experienced Christian educators and is infused with a biblical worldview. NCS Online provides a rigorous, affordable, customizable online education in an established Christian community and culture. Visit ncsonline.org to learn more or contact their admissions team at 602-978-5134. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm very pleased to once again be joined by the founder of Foundation Worldview, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and we're talking about modesty from a biblical worldview. And Elizabeth, uh, welcome back to the broadcast here, and I want to kind of go uh, back over a bit on the word modesty itself, and just the great definition that I appreciate that you had for what modesty all entails, if you could refresh us on that. Yeah, so I just define it by saying that modesty is not drawing undue attention to ourselves, you know, having a right understanding of reality and not unduly trying to draw attention to ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we think about it, we realize, as you state it that way, that it involves a lot more than just how we dress. However, I am honestly going to spend a fair amount of time on this second part of the two-part series on that aspect, because I'm hoping for those who tune in, a lot of the demographics that I have are parents of young ladies who would be struggling with this matter. And so I'm hoping to kind of give them some practical guidance and advice, uh, as well as the overarching, you know, more general aspect of the first part of this show that we focused on. But I also want to remind everyone tuning in that we're not just talking about the ladies here. Men are involved too. And I kind of chuckled a bit as the picture came to my mind of the guy whose pants are half fallen down. Uh, I know it seems like <laughs> that seems to be the hot in trend. I don't have any pants like that and I never will. And <laughs> so for good reason. But the point being is men can be immodest too, can't they? Yes, all of us as humans, because we are sinful, we can all draw undue attention to ourselves rather than pointing it where it should go, to God. Yeah, and the funny thing about that one is, why would you want to <laughs> draw attention to yourself in that manner anyway? But I guess that's just part of our culture that we talked about in the first part as well. True. So, Yeah, so thank you for that. Well, Elizabeth here, let's talk a little bit about uh, the reality that when most people think of modesty, they're, they're thinking in terms of appearance and dress and things like that. And so when it comes to uh, young ladies, this is a, a great challenge. I've heard from uh, many families, I have seven kids, just two of them are girls, so I didn't have to deal with this uh, quite as much as if it would have had all seven girls, I guess. But we still deal with this issue, too, of that's a little bit too tight-fitting, that's a little too low-cut, that swimsuit is not you know very appropriate. And those types of conversations, those are ones that parents have to have from a practical standpoint, right? That's true. Yes, <laughs> they are necessary. <laughs> Yeah. So how do we go about addressing that without making our teens, uh, you know, not that we have to be overly concerned, I guess, about uh, them being upset with us because your teens are always going to be upset over one thing or another. But at the same uh-huh. time, we can do this in a in a manner that is not as offensive, I guess. Yes. And I think in any time we're, we're talking about giving our kids a no, specifically because it relates to God's word, we have to think through first, what is God's yes? So rather than just, okay, scripture says no to this. Well, what is God's yes? So when we're thinking about modesty, specifically as it relates to dress and how we're presenting our bodies, we have to think through first, okay, what is God's yes to this? And God's yes is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That the fact that we are created in God's image as distinctly male or distinctly female, that is such a good thing. It is a gift from God. And so especially, you know, when we're talking with our girls about this, before we even have the conversation about, you know, well, you're not going to be allowed to wear this, or that's too tight, or that's too low cut, or that's too high cut, or, you know, whatever it is, talking about, you know, like, your body is so good, that your body and soul are intimately connected. They're both created by God. They are inherently good. And we want to help protect the goodness of your body, where the world is going to say that the best thing about you is the size of your waist, you know, or the shape of your body. And those are inherently good things about you, but that is not what makes you distinctly you. And so we want to help protect you and we want to help draw people's attention where it should be on who you are as a person and the amazing gifts and talents that God has given you. So I think that's the first thing we need to start off with. You know, just the positive biblical theology that this is God's yes, that the human body is good, that it was designed for good. It was designed to glorify God. And it's an intimate part of who you are, and it's a really good part. But then talk through, okay, you know, our culture doesn't understand this. Our culture is going to say that you and I should dress in a way that's just drawing attention to ourselves so that people are just focusing 
on our body. And so then, you know, that's the conversation, you know, too, about in these years, you and I are probably going to disagree about this. And, you know, when you leave our house, when you are an adult, when you go off on your own, or when you get married, you're going to be able to make these decisions on your own of what you think is biblical, what you think aligns with scripture, what you think is best. But while you're in our home, there's certain guidelines you're going to have to follow. And you might not be able to understand them, but we're going to ask that you trust us. You know, phrase it that way. So it's not just a, nope, you can't wear that. Nope, go back upstairs, try again. (laughs) So I think it's really, really important to just lay that positive foundation there before then you have the ins and the outs of like, yeah, that works. No, that actually doesn't work. And you bring up kind of an interesting statement that you make, and I want to encourage our listeners to check out the website, foundationworldview.com. There are a couple of blog postings there that I'm focused on as we talk about modesty. That site, again, foundationworldview.com. But you state something that kind of made me chuckle a little bit because a lot of times when you think about dressing modestly, I think back to the Laura Ingalls Wilder Little House in the Prairie (laughs) days and all of that. And you said, if if I'm wearing a dress that looks like it came from the 1800s, that's not necessarily modest. Well, might be sexually modest, it's immodest in that it's drawing so much unneeded attention to myself. And that's kind of true. If we dress that way, yeah, you'd still be drawing attention to yourself, wouldn't you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep, that is very true. So yeah, so thinking about what is going to be something that I my children or my, you know, like my daughters can be comfortable in, you know, that's not going to make them have undue attention, whether it's sexual attention or just like, whoa, what planet did you arrive from? (laughs) Attention. (laughs) Yeah, interesting thoughts. So talk with us a little bit just from the standpoint of as a parent then, and I've heard that uh, this is a good practice too, to actually go with the daughter in particular shopping and give them the opportunity to discuss these things as you're looking at clothes. And sometimes it's almost impossible to even find a store where you can find some things that you can do that. But just give us a little bit of a snapshot here on how we go about doing that. Yeah, well, one thing that I'm going to recommend that I think is a huge blessing nowadays is online shopping. You can find clothes of like all shapes and sizes from all across the world. Because, you know, when I was a teenager in the early 2000s, I am 5'10". And so when I was growing up in the early 2000s, you know, like crop tops were really in. And so as a female who is 5'10", I am already really long. And so regular shirts are almost going to appear as crop tops on me. So it was just like such a struggle to try to find clothes when I was growing up. And it was just like this constant battle. It was usually tears, usually an argument with me and my mom. So just two things that I would encourage parents for, just be really intentional about the times that you are going shopping. Make sure that it's not like a high stress or emotional time because it might be a very emotional activity, (laughs) you know, as you're just trying to help your daughter with this. Um, Also take advantage of the fact that there are so many clothes that you can find online, you know, especially if you have a daughter who's tall like me, there are online stores that now sell things, not just in longs, but in talls, you know, that actually make it possible to find clothing that fits and fits well. And then just try to find a few stores that your daughter likes and feels comfortable with that you also know tends to have clothing that goes along with the times, but is not going to be encouraging her just to reveal all different parts of her body. Yeah. And feel free to uh, go ahead and mention a couple of those that are favorites of yours as you do in the blog posting, if you don't mind. Yeah. So a couple of my favorites, there's a store online called The Bait Sisters Boutique. And it usually has very, very, not cheap clothes, but like well-priced clothes. Like you're not going to be paying an arm and a leg for anything, but they have lots of different dresses and sweaters and tops just that are really cute, are 
usually pretty trendy and are very modest. So I think that's a great place. Again, it's just the Bates Sisters Boutique. So you can just Google that. Another one is it's actually a British clothing company called Bowden. They're also usually pretty trendy, but they sell everything in longs and talls. So if you have a tall girl, that can really help. And they're usually ones that are fairly modest. They're a little bit more pricey, but their stuff is really well made. So those are just a few stores that I have found really helpful. But there are literally tens of thousands of online stores that you can find. So even if you just, you know, do a quick Google search one night, you can just, you know, type in like trendy, modest clothing for girls. You know, you're going to have so many different sites that pop up. So we just really encourage you to be creative there. Don't get just boxed into whatever stores you have within your vicinity. But virtually the whole clothing world is open to you through online. Right. Well, you know, one other thing I want to talk about on this segment here before we get to our our final one, and that is something that you bring up in this, what the Bible says about modesty and how to live it. And you talk about when you were younger, and I I think this is related to being, you know, at the swimming pool or the beach or something like that and and what you would wear. And we talked about wearing the 1800s dress or whatever and how that might uh, (laughs) attract uh, attention to ourselves. But you also say at the same time that what you were wearing at the swimming pool did attract a little bit of attention because it was so so much different from what others were wearing, but then we can use that attention that is drawn to explain to people why you're dressing differently mm-hmm. at, the, at the pool, for example. Yeah, it can be good opportunities to talk to people, you know, about why are we making the decisions that we're making, and we can help our kids to understand that as well. And I think swimwear is a really great example of how you can think through, okay, what is something that can be modest, but can still be, you know, not drawing so much undue attention? You know, if I wear a floor-length skirt, you know, when I'm going swimming, that obviously is going to draw crazy attention. And different people are going to have different convictions. But, you know, like if I find knee-length board shorts, you know, from like a popular company and then like wear an Under Armour t-shirt, will that draw a little bit of undue attention? Yeah, but people aren't going to be like, whoa, who is that girl from the 1800s? (laughs) So I think we can be creative and yeah, we can be prepared with a response for when people are like, why are you doing that? Yeah, right. You use the word different convictions, and I guess I want to hit on that or follow that up a little bit here before we wrap up this segment. And just to say that, yes, I certainly would concur that there are different convictions regarding just about everything within the the various topics and issues that I talk about in the plumb line. People have different convictions in a lot of different ways, but yet somehow there is also a fairly clear distinction anyway, where we would say, you know, obviously we're not going to, should not allow, you know, a woman to walk around topless, but with some of the things that there were, and they might as well be topless. So, so the point being, I guess, is we have to be careful that we don't want to judge other people's convictions, but at the same time, we don't want our convictions to be so lack of conviction that we allow it. Like, you know, anything goes. I guess if that makes sense, if you could comment on that. Yeah, and that's where it does get tricky because we do have different convictions about different things. But I think the really important thing for us to ask ourselves is: Are my convictions being informed by? scripture mostly, or are they mostly being informed by the culture? Because it's possible for us to just get so used to what culture is doing that we become comfortable with it. And so I think a really important thing for us to be doing is to be prayerful about our convictions, you know, to be asking God, like, are these convictions genuinely aligning with your word and your standards? Or have I just become so comfortable culturally that I'm aligning with what the culture is? And I think it's so important just, you know, like as we're getting into specifics of, you know, like do this or don't do this, that we're always coming back to like, what is the heart attitude behind this? Like, am I doing this because I feel like I'm checking off some box and therefore I'm becoming a good Christian or I'm being a good Christian mom or a good Christian dad? Or 
is my heart attitude behind this. Jesus has given everything for me and I just want to honor him in any way that I can. So I think that's something that's important for us to come back to. So those two things, you know, being prayerful about are these convictions genuinely coming from scripture or have I allowed myself just to become comfortable with what culture is pushing? And then what is my heart behind this? Am I just desiring to check off some box so that I can feel good about myself or I can feel like I'm better than others and, you know, that I live more modestly than others? Or is it really a heart desire of Jesus has given everything for me and I just want to honor him in every way that he's called me to live. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate those insights on that question. And we're going to follow up when we come back from the break here with another question that is kind of similar to that, what we were just talking about as we discuss modesty from a biblical worldview. My guest, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, the founder of Foundation Worldview. The website is foundationworldview.com. And you can find out more about the plumb line by going to uh, the Reasons for Hope, my national ministry sponsor website, r for h.com slash the plumb line. You can also email me at this address, the plumb line radio at gmail.com. Plum is P L U M B, the plumb line radio at gmail.com. We'll be right back. I am so pleased to have Reasons for Hope as the national sponsor of The Plumb Line. The mission of both of our ministries is to proclaim the gospel and to train people to look at every topic and issue from a biblical worldview. You can discover more about their many fabulous resources and their debunked video series or request one of the R4H speakers for your event or maybe attend an equip youth retreat or rally all at r4h.com. To learn about the Plumb Line's partnership with Reasons for Hope, check out the blog postings at r4h.com, and you can find the Plumb Line station directory and podcast link at r4h.com slash theplumbline. Be sure to leave a note saying thanks to Reasons for Hope for supporting the Plumb Line. Support for the Plumb Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Support for the Plumb Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for the Plumline Radio Ministry is provided by Lori Hammer, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and neuronutrition expert. Lori specializes in brain balancing and hormone health. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, brain injury, or hormone disruption, Lori is the practitioner for you. She sees a wide variety of clients throughout the world, virtually or in person. You can find more information about Lori at LoriHammer.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E Hammer.com. Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plumb Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. Thanks for joining me for The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, on the broadcast today. My guest, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, founder of Foundation Worldview. We're talking about modesty from a biblical worldview. And this second of a two-part series here is 
really dealing with some of the more practical aspects. And one of those practical aspects comes out of a question that you were asked and that uh, resulted in one of the blog posts that I'm looking at here dealing with uh, athletic or sportswear. A parent asked, how do Christian parents justify their girls wearing revealing clothes in extracurricular activities such as ballet, cheer, volleyball, and I can think of uh, some other sports as well where just especially if they're on a public school team, we homeschool most of our children, but I've seen that the big difference in what my daughter, who's on the homeschool volleyball team, wears compared to what a lot of the public school volleyball players are wearing. And so that's a challenge if you're in that public school environment, especially as far as what they wear. So I wanted to have you address that a bit from what you say in this blog post here. Yeah, in the blog post, I do start off with a lot of the things that I've already said that we first need to lay out, you know, just the positive biblical theology of the goodness of the body so that our children, you know, especially our girls understand that like it's not just that there's something wrong with their bodies or that their bodies are bad or that, you know, like their bodies can be used to cause others to stumble. It's that God has designed them with this inherent goodness and their bodies are beautiful and they are valuable and we want them to understand that. And then as we're requiring that they dress with a greater degree of modesty than most people in our secular culture are. We're doing that ultimately to glorify God, and we're doing it because of the inherent goodness of their bodies. And so I think we just need to continually bring ourselves back to this, because if we just root it in like, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, we're just leaving this huge vacuum of, you know, like, what is God's yes? What is the positive biblical theology there? So that's the first thing that I think it's so important for us to do, you know, and we need to start this even when our kids are really little. (laughs) You know, even when, you know, they're three, four, five, just talking about like, let's look at your hand, you know, like, how did God design your hand? What are all the good things your hands were designed to do? Or, you know, like, let's look at your feet. What are all the good things your feet were designed to do? And just so that we have this positive biblical theology of the body. So then when issues like dress in sports come up, that we have this foundation of, you know, like, why are we not going to allow you to wear those super short shorts that the rest of the girls in the volleyball team are wearing, you know, or why are we not going to allow you to wear the skirts that the rest of the tennis team are wearing so that they just have some basis for that. And so I think as we're thinking through sports teams and what our children are wearing in them, that we need to have those conversations before we sign them up for the sports team so that they understand, you know, this is part and parcel of what's going to come along with this, you know, that like, yes, we're excited for you to be part of this team, but there's going to be some changes you know, in what you are going to be allowed to wear and not allowed to wear. And then the why behind that, you know, because of the inherent goodness of their body and the value and the fact that their value is rooted in the image of God, not in the shape of their body. So I think that's really important for us just to have as a foundation and then to understand, you know, where can we go to get more modest sportswear? Um, And so one thing that I mentioned in that podcast is a friend of mine owns a modest sporting company. And so it actually, when I recorded the podcast, the company's name was Mod Sportswear. They recently changed their name to Mod Lifewear just because they have clothing for all different types of life, not just sportswear. But that's just a company you can go to if you're like, hey, we just need a little bit more modest coverage for this sports event. And that's a great place to go. Wonderful. You know, if a child is in the public school, you can actually play up a little bit of what our culture is so big on right now, which is self-expression. <laughs> you know, like this is not how we choose to express ourselves in our family. You know, so we really want our daughter to play on the sports team, but we need her to be allowed to wear something different. You know, and I would assume, maybe this isn't a fair assumption, but I, I would assume that if children are allowed 
to identify as a different gender or even a different species that it should be okay if they want to wear something different to play sports. (laughs) (laughs) You would hope so, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, well, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. My guest here is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and we're talking about modesty from a biblical worldview. We've got just a couple minutes left in the broadcast, and Elizabeth, I want to give you the opportunity to, and you've kind of already done it probably a moment ago, but to hit the highlights, to really stress what you want, the parent in particular, as I said, primarily parents of teens that would be tuning in here. And what you really want to hit as being the most important of our discussion about modesty. Yeah, I think I have already hit on it, but just to reiterate again that this is really an issue of the heart. That yes, you know, whether our children's hearts are in it or not, as parents, we do have to set certain standards that our children are going to have to follow while they're still in, you know, under the God-given authority in our home. They may choose to do something different when they're no longer in our home, but just it's really a matter of the heart. And so I would just really encourage parents to make sure that you're really seeking the heart of your children. That, you know, like when you see issues of sin, you know, that you don't just let them go unnoticed, but that you walk your child through the process of confession and repentance. That when we sin against our children, that we confess of that sin and repent before them, you know, that we're just making sure that we're having that open relationship with them. You know, we can't change our children's hearts. Only God can do that. Only God can take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. But what we can do is we can make sure that the elements for growth are there. I usually like to give the example of a plant. You know, ultimately, when we plant a seed in the ground, we do not have control over whether that seed will ultimately germinate, that it will grow, it will take root, and that it will blossom into a full-grown plant. You know, that really ultimately is up to the Lord. You know, He's the one that put that genetic information in the seed. But what we can do is we can make sure that that seed is planted in fertile soil. We can make sure that it gets a proper amount of water and sunlight every day. We can make sure that, you know, like it's not out in the cold when it shouldn't be. Because if we do all those things, there's a much greater chance that that seed will actually germinate and take root and grow into a full grown plant. And it's the same with our children. We cannot take a heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. But what we can do is make sure that we have those elements for growth in place, that we are pursuing the heart of our child, that we are you know, cultivating a love for the things of God, and that then we are setting up routines and rules in our home that are going to point our children towards Jesus. So that would be my final recommendation for everyone. Uh, I appreciate the picture that gives us. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being on. Hope to visit with you in the future. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure being with you today. Elizabeth Urbanowitz, again, she's founder of Foundation Worldview, the website foundationworldview.com. I'd encourage you to check that out. It's all the great resources, curriculum, lots of other things that they have there that you can find out about at foundationworldview.com. And you can reach out to me to share your thoughts, comments, questions about the broadcast anytime at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.